0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman and alongside Jared Kimber bring you immediate reaction to the action after every day of the current series between England and Pakistan. On today's show you will hear uh, about Jared Kimber's uh, part in uh, Shan Masood's at revival at top scoring with 156 masterful at times a bit lucky on day one uh, but brilliant from him we'll talk about the variety within Pakistan's bowling attack and talk about uh, Ollie Pope as well plenty to talk about after a fascinating day at Old Trafford you're listening to Following On Thanks for listening to the show. You will by now know, of course, that uh, Pakistan lead after two days of this test match. Um, they finished with 326. Sham 156. Uh, Babar Azam, 69. Shadab Khan, 45. Three wickets apiece from Broad and Archer. Um, Archer hardly bowled in the afternoon session. That's something we'll talk about. When England came out to bat, up against it really. Burns and Sibley, both LBW uh, inside the opening few overs. And Mohamed Abbas with the ball of the series, I'm claiming that one now, uh, to dismiss Ben Stokes, bold for a duck. Joe Root out on the cuts for 14 at that point. It looked like England might have not avoid the follow-on target, but Ollie Pope um, and Joss Butler taking advantage of the bad balls when they came, uh, rotating the strike well. Uh, Ollie Pope, 46, not out and showing signs of quality, as he has done pretty much since he started uh, playing for Surrey and England. Plenty to discuss today, so let's get on with it. Story of the day. Jared, well, wow, uh, what a day's play. Um let's start with story of the day. And uh, for me, it was England throwing away what was a pretty good position. Uh, at lunch, uh, they'd taken three wickets in the morning session. Pakistan didn't seem to be going anywhere. And then it all changed. Uh, I've seen England throw away good positions with the bat, but I can't quite remember seeing them throw away such a good position with the ball. Not in Test cricket anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, Shadab Khan made runs. And I think perhaps they relaxed a little bit because he didn't look like he should have made runs. Uh, He wasn't always sure how he was making runs. He didn't look like a test number seven. But I think pulling himself together, I think it kind of put England off a little bit. I think by that point, they thought they'd done the work. And I wouldn't say they gave up on Shah Massoud, but they did some very interesting things with Shah Massoud. Like, for instance, uh, he was all at sea against Bess yesterday. And they didn't show him any best in the morning. Once you got those other quick wickets, you still had one good quick bowler to attack with. Uh, Sean didn't seem to have any problems with the seam bowling. So why not bring on a spinner and see if he's still having problems there? Um, And it just got away from them really quickly. I mean, you know, twice I think we've seen them in the afternoons, just had terrible afternoon sessions.
1: It, It was bizarre. Let's talk about Joe Root's captaincy, because as you mentioned Uh, Don Best wasn't brought on to bowl against Shammasud, even though he looked relatively comfortable against Stuart Broad, of all the bowlers, actually. I can kind of understand it in one regard. Pakistan were going nowhere. You know, 139 for two overnight. They only scored 48 runs in an entire session of play. 26 overs. Um, But that all changed after the break. You know, Joe Root brought himself on. There were six overs until the new ball. You've got four new ball bowlers I can understand why I gave Don Bess a few overs that's what we're kind of saying but you didn't need to at that point rush through those six overs and it gave Pakistan a few cheap runs and Shadab Khan I thought you're right he doesn't look like a number seven but what he did is he showed intent and Pakistan hadn't showed any intent in that first two hours apart from when Shadab Khan came in and then suddenly a partnership for the fifth, uh, rather the sixth wicket of about 20 was suddenly around 40 odd when the new ball was taken. And the emphasis or the impetus rather just seemed to swing back towards Pakistan. Few cheap runs or few quick runs from the new ball. We've seen that happen all, you know many times. Suddenly they're 240 for five and the whole complexity or the whole complexion of the match completely changed in about half an hour.
0: Yeah, and none of this was helped by the fact that England didn't bowl anywhere near as good with the new ball as they should have. I mean, you know, sometimes we can overcomplicate all these things. They were in charge of Pakistan in many different ways. Um, they would have still thought that they, had, they would have thought that we'll get to this new ball as quickly as possible. We've had a couple of minutes where we're not on top of our game uh, and we'll nip, we'll nip out Shadab Khan quite quickly and then run through the tail. Um, And they would have, but they didn't nip through him. And uh, so it caused more problems. And also, um, Sean Massoud, it almost seemed like he was waiting for the new ball as far as, you know, uh, waiting for the pace to come back onto the ball and a little bit of a harder ball. He likes the short balls and all
1: these sorts of things. Suddenly the ball coming onto the bat woke him up as well. So it was was quite interesting. The other thing is this, okay, Joe Root didn't throw Don Best the ball when it was old, um, but then despite having four new ball bowlers, he threw the ball to him when it was new. Don Best took the ball after nine overs of the new, the second new ball. Jofra Archer didn't have a go with the second new ball until about five overs before tea, and then immediately two, took two wickets and two balls. I mean, they're the kind of decisions that you're criticised for when they don't pay off, and they didn't pay off today.
0: Do you know what? Most of the time when we talk about captains we talk about great bowling changes or terrible bowling changes. And realistically in a four man attack, most bowling changes are made because someone is tired um, or someone bowled earlier or someone bowled in a big spell. And we, we see them as either tactical genius or idiocy, but most of the time it has nothing to do with either. In a five man attack, that is not the case. You literally have the ability to have your bowlers fresher and to use them much more tactically. I mean, that's one of the brilliant parts of a five man attack. So misusing them the way that he seemed to today uh, is, is an error. And it, look, it's cost them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, of course, when England came into bat, it was a completely different story, wasn't it? Um, as you've often said, variety is the spice of life. And there's certainly variety within that bowling attack. And uh, it, it, it does whet the appetite, doesn't it? Um, when you look at the, uh, you know what, when I was a kid, and this, you don't really get this so much, um, in cricket now, because it's so much easier to consume the sport uh, overseas. But at the start of us of an English summer, you you must have been exactly the same in Australia. So you it's on terrestrial TV, and you you sit there watching TV, and the pictures would come up. It'd be the first day of the India series or New Zealand series or whoever series, and eleven faces would appear on the TV screen, and. You'd recognise, maybe, or you would have heard of maybe three or four of them. You'd know know a couple by sight, but there would be five or six players that you just had no clue who they were. Come to the end of the season, of course, and they're all familiar to you because you've watched them day in, day out. There is a little bit about this Pakistan side because a lot of these players don't get the exposure that the IPL um, gives a lot of other cricketers uh, because, of course, they're not one of the well, not seen as one of the, uh, the, the the big two or three sides, you just, when they start bowling, Mohamed um, Abbas, okay, we saw him four years ago, but I remember when he bowled in that first spell, you know, Jeffrey Boycott had never seen him before and he dismissed him out of hand and Mohamed Abbas gets mad of the match at that Lord's performance uh, and we all know him so well now, but to see someone like Nassim Shah for the first time in this country, he's only played a handful of tests, Shaheen Afridi as well, it just it just reminds me a little bit about what it was like being a kid at the start of a, of a summer. And we are going to know a lot more about these players um, come the end of this series. Um, and so are the English batsmen.
0: Well, Nassim Shah was the one for me. I mean, the commentators on Sky were, you know, some of them seem to have not seen anything of him before. And they were really talking him up. Uh, incredibly in a way that you don't see as much in, in modern cricket anymore. It was like how fast is he gonna bowl and how exciting is it gonna be and yeah it was um it was interesting. I think the actual story of the day though is Sean Massoud.
1: Mm. He is the story of the day. He'll be the moment of the day as well. So why don't we get on with that moment of the day. There were plenty of moments of the day today. Uh, Don Bess, as I mentioned, being thrown the, the new ball, uh, nine overs old when Jofra Archer hadn't had a bowl. Uh, Chris Wokes being asked to bounce out Shan Massoud and Jofra Archer's fielding at uh, long leg. Joe Root's wicket late in the day as well, that delivery from uh, Mohamed Abbas to dismiss Ben Stokes. But moment of the day, Shan Massoud reaching 100. And I saw your tweet about the clapping that occurs as a player makes his way from the field and it reminded you of club cricket. But... It was really heartening to hear the roars of delight and support from the dressing room when Massoud reached three figures. And there's just shades, isn't there, that this side is very similar to the one that Misbarol Huck captained uh, and did the press-ups in front of the Lord's Balcony uh, four years ago.
0: No, definitely. It's. Um, I think a lot of people are looking ahead as well and thinking, what can they build here? And Sean is the sort of player that they can build around. Um, you know, there's, there's actually a few other openers that they can slot in with him, but the middle order has always been their strength and seems to be again. But if you can find an opening batsman like him, uh, it's huge. And, uh, you know, it's, they talked about quite a lot on Sky today about how bad he did in England um, and when he was dropped. You've got to remember that I think he was dropped somewhere around eight or nine times from Test Match Cricket. He would come in, he would go out, he would be told that, you know, he'd be batting here and then he wouldn't bat there. Someone would get injured, he'd come in, um, he'd struggle again. He played all around the world against lots of different bowling attacks and he failed against all of them. And he disappeared. And no, I don't think anyone um, perhaps who hadn't seen him in uh, domestic cricket in Pakistan thought he would ever come back. He was in a complete black hole. And we see this a lot. Talented players come in, they, they don't they don't uh, take their opportunities and they disappear and he did something that I don't think I've seen another player do. And he did it for a bunch of different reasons. I think one, he's the sort of person who is constantly trying to self-improve. Uh, also, I don't think you can discount the fact that he comes from a family of incredible wealth. His family own a flat around the corner from St. John's Wood. Um, and he had the ability to literally contact, I don't even know how many experts, but nutritionists, trainers, coaches. Uh, analysts like me, general managers. And he built up every facet of his game. He wasn't in the PSL a couple of years ago. And now he's a major sort of player um, for the Moulton Sultans. He's In every way, he built up his game. So he had Gary Palmer, Alistair Cook's coach, um, help him. Uh, When he talked to me, he literally said, tear me apart. Tell me exactly why you think I wasn't making runs um, in Test cricket. And let's start there. And and we went through it, uh, you know, sort of piece by piece. And then, and once he did that, he said, and that was fine. And he took what he needed from that conversation. And then he went to another analyst and then he went to another coach. And, and he, you know, there's a, there's a great, if you want it. I think it's a 70 minute clip on YouTube of just him in the nets uh, with, a, with a Western Australian coach uh, throw, facing throwdowns. And I've seen it, of course, I've seen it all the way from beginning to end, but it does show you the sorts of levels that he went to that uh, cricketers just don't go to. Cricketers don't like admitting that everything that got them to that top level was wrong. And that's essentially what he did. I think there's a line from, um, I think it might be in the West Wing where, <laughs> where they're talking about football team. And they always say the hardest thing in, in football is when you get to halftime in the Super Bowl game and everything you have done to get you to halftime in the Super Bowl game is no longer working and you have to change it. Most cricketers just don't. They just go, no, no, I trust myself. Whereas Sharm went the complete other way and he went, clearly there's a reason why I'm not being successful in test cricket. Let's have a look at this. And he spoke to everyone in world cricket he could and, uh, to be fair to him, since he's come back, he's made runs against South in South Africa. He played really well against Australia. Uh, he made back-to-back hundreds in Pakistan. And, uh, uh, you know, add another hundred on here. Three hundreds in, in, in quick fire. It's incredible.
1: Shot of the day. So much for the nervous nineties. Shan Masood went on eighty-eight, uh, steered Stuart Broad with a new ball twice to the third man boundary, and he went from eighty-eight to ninety-six, then scampered two, and before you knew it, it's reached a hundred. So that was memorable in itself for uh, the occasion. That six he smashed over uh, long off to Don Best was just extraordinary. That's the kind of shot that, as a seven-year-old, I used to practice in the mirror. Um, but you know what? I just thought Shadab Khan's intent right from the start was, no, I know it wasn't a shot, but it was the way that he was getting bat on ball and he was playing tip and run, rotating the strike. I know it's not a specific shot, but I, for me, that changed. that changed the whole emphasis of the Pakistan innings, so... I'm going to mention that in my shot of the day.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, it's not shot of the day, so you're wrong to bring it up. Here. <laughs> but that, but that moment where they started dropping the ball and just taking off, especially because, to be fair, you know, I think I made the joke on on Twitter that Shah Massoud had, had talked to every consultant in cricket except for a running between wickets consultant because a lot of his running between wickets in this innings was mm. not okay. Um, the amount of times he just says yes um, and he's hit the ball straight to a fielder is phenomenal. <laughs> we, we always had this theory that. Um, when we play club cricket, the only people who do that are, are tail enders who shouldn't be batting in the top of the order and um, and kids who, when they play a good shot, they say yes, almost at the good shot. Sean seems to do that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, my shot of the day, though, for everything we just said, is Ollie Pope straight drive off Nasim Shah um, because, uh, oh, I mean, it's Ollie Pope. Almost every shot he plays his shot. Of the- I mean, we got him and Babar should just win this 100 times each.
1: Ball of the day. Well, there's only one contender for Ball of the Day. As soon as I saw it, I went on TalkSport and said, that is the ball of the series. You immediately WhatsApp me, not that you're listening to TalkSport, and said, Ball of the Day. Uh, Mohamed Abbas bowling to Ben Stokes. That dismissal, um, I could watch it again and again.
0: Well, let me take you through it a little bit as well from a technical standpoint. So no one's ever done, as far as I know, a deep dive on the wobble wobble scene balls. But you do hear it a lot. It's one of those phrases that has come into cricket and it clearly exists. And it's the ability to keep the seam wobbling, but keep it close enough to the middle um, on its axis that it will still do something. So there's a wobble seam, which is what you or I would bowl, where our hand, our wrist just falls apart and the ball just goes in any direction. That's not what Jimmy Anderson or uh, Stuart Clark, Muhammad Asif and Mohammed Abbas are doing. What Muhammad Abbas is doing is specifically saying to the batsman, I am going to make sure this ball hits the seam, but I'm going to make sure it hits the seam and neither of us know what it is going to do. The skill to be able to do that is, I mean, it's otherworldly. And that particular delivery was unplayable. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about right-arm bowlers coming around the wicket to left-handers. That's, a, that's an off-spinner at pace when you don't even know he's going to bowl an off-spinner. You know, the, the ability to do that is just incredible. And um, yeah, it, it was a magical moment. I just want to talk about one other ball of the day, which won't be remembered or talked about anywhere near as much. But it really caught my attention. Nasim Shah, I mean, Ian Ward and Wazim Akram have been talking him up nonstop. You know, I think maybe Shane Ward was on earlier. Shane Ward obviously saw him bowl in Australia. He'd been talking him up as well. He then comes into bowl. And his first ball is back of the length, wide about outside off stump. And it is in no way a special delivery. Like, you know, it's too wide, probably too short. But it hits the pitch and just jags sideways in a way that makes anyone who's ever watched cricket go, what the hell has just happened? And Oli Pope's face of, how am I supposed to play that if he gets it online? Now, it may have just hit a crack. It may have just been, you know, something silly. But the reason I bring it up is there's a great story from Aussie Rules Football years ago when a centre-half back was playing on a centre-half forward and they were going out to play and I think they were about both they were around 19 or 20 and the coach literally says to the centre-half back, you better have a bit good game today because you're going to be playing against this guy for the next 10 years. Right? And all I could think of, is Nasim Shah is possibly going to be bowling to Oli Pope for the next 10 years. What a way to start with his ball just going ping sideways and Oli Pope's face was just so classical of this is not
1: okay. What is this delivery? of the day. I, l- I laughed after um, confidently predicting Babra Zan would reach 100 on day two. He was out without adding to his overnight score in the first over of play. That was quite funny in a laugh at myself kind of way. But apart from that, I can't think of too many lols.
0: No, I mean, it's not a lol, uh, but Josh Butler and his wicket keeping is starting to become a thing, isn't it? it- it's-, it's
1: funny. Oh, no, there's the lol. It's no, you've just reminded me. So, Josh Butler, you're about to say about because he missed another catch behind the wicket, didn't he? Don Bess again. Did you see his attempted run out?
0: Oh yes, that's that is where I was going. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> because at that point, you just like, okay, so let's just go back. I mean, we talked about it a bit yesterday. So, at the start of this series, Crickviz put up a tweet saying uh, Josh Butler hasn't missed a chance since he became Wiki keeper, and I think that surprised a lot of us uh, who follow wiki keeping closely because he's not a great wicketkeeper. I mean, he was England's third-choice wicketkeeper when he was in the side as a batsman. So you know he's not a great wicketkeeper. He then obviously misses Blackwood and they lose that match. Uh, you know, for, come forward to 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 this test and he misses Sean Massoud twice, which now looks like a fairly major error, I think, <laughs> looking back on it. Uh, he then drops um, Yassir Shah. Now all three, and if you go to Blackwood as well, all four of those takes he should have taken. So he's now starting to struggle. And then he gets that point where he, It's just getting to Shane Dowrich levels when he picks up the ball and he's got a run-out opportunity and all he has to do is get the ball somewhere near Stuart Broad at the other end. But Stuart Broad has quite an impressive wingspan as well, John, doesn't he? He's quite a long (laughs) man. So, you know, there are certain people with short wingspans that that would be a tough throw. So you think he'd be able to make the two-metre wingspan of Stuart Broad (laughs) at the other end. And he misses Stuart Broad with a throw by such a comical... Point that Stuart Broad doesn't even get angry, and earlier in the day, do you remember how angry Stuart Broad was at Jofra Archer for not going for a catch at fine leg, which I think Archer should have gone for, but I think Broad probably overreacted a little bit. But the the fact that Broad just went, wow it's just Josh Butler," um, and it's today, and it's uh, it's a Shane Dowrich kind of day.
1: Anodyne press conference moment of the day. Well, let's hear if Jofra uh, Archer talks about that uh, catch that wasn't at long leg. Or uh, the fact that he was held back till uh, the uh, end of the afternoon session in uh, today's uh, Anadyne press conference moment of the day?
0: Yeah, um, I think
1: we just need to get as close to a, a, a pass yeah, there, um Obviously, the wicket's getting a bit easier to bat on, and I'm pretty sure it's all boys that are not open that they can go on and score big one. No doubt they can go on and score big What is going to happen tomorrow? Okay, Jared. Well, what did you predict for day two yesterday? I can't remember.
0: I, I said that I didn't think Sean and um, Baba would both go on, but I thought one of them would go on and they might be able to put something together with the tale. Um, but I expected more it to be half centuries um, coming through. I didn't expect one batsman. I think I said 270. I think you said 280 or 290, didn't you? So they went a bit beyond that. But I, I think we got the basic narrative correctly, correct there. Right?
1: Hey. Hey, we well, I tipped Babar to score a century, and he added none. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went for two eighty, two ninety, and a little off three two six. But I did predict thirteen wickets today, and fell one short. Yeah, that's just good. the twelve. I about that, yeah, that was not either. bad. Not, not bad. So, uh, what's going to happen on day
0: three? I mean, weirdly enough, and this is going to sound odd, being that England have just looked terrible. I think the pitch flattened out. I was watching Shaheen um, bat on it and I know he can't back <laughs> they have you know a couple of number 11s there and I was thinking well, I think this pitch is flattened out If if Pakistan don't get a lot out of the early swinging ball um I think they could be in for a bit of trouble the fact that they have got those early wickets though I, th- I mean Butler looked all at sea at times um out there I think that we should expect a little bit of seam movement early on and Abbas is going to be all over Butler who knows would poke. If you can get to Butler, uh, through Butler now, I think you can chip them away. And I think Pakistan will be disappointed if they can't bowl England out for 250 from here. But as I said, I do think that pitch is flattened out. So it could be a really interesting one. But um, my guess is that one way or another, they get Butler quite early on. um, And then they should be able to, you know, side their way through that middle order or the, the, the tail really, which starts at works the way he's been batting of recent times.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be Pope at one end, possibly Butler, uh, and it's just it's going to be a clatter of wickets at the other end. I think it'll be fast scoring because England need will know. Well, they've got Pope and Butler who only ever score fast, really. So uh, I think there'll be runs, uh, but I think there'll be wickets. I think it's going to be a really entertaining day's play. I think England will score around 200, 225. So good lead for Pakistan. Um, But, uh, you know, new ball again towards the end of the day. I think it's going to be a bit cloudy again tomorrow. So more wickets, not as many as today. And Pakistan to finish the day on top. Uh, But I think you're right, not quite as many in front as they would uh, would have liked. It's going to be great cricket, though. There's been so much good cricket uh, and some poor cricket over the last couple of days, but it's certainly kept us entertained. Uh, Jared, I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for your time today. And thanks for listening to the following on podcast. Uh, You can listen on ACOS, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Join us after day three at Old Trafford in the first test match between England and Pakistan.